Dear baby girl, today we have an awesome guest on the show. We have the author of The Rise from Poverty to Prosperity, and baby girl, he is inspiration in human form. Kerwin Liverpool, welcome to Dear Baby Girl. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you so much for being a part of this and really just, you know, being just inspirational. The story that you have, your life is just, it's incredible. Um, I want to break it down for the listeners, though, because, wow, your life is just, it's incredible. Could you please tell us just, could you please tell us a little bit about your childhood? I want to go to the beginning. Tell us about, you know, little baby Kerwin and kind of just how you grew up because you didn't have a very easy childhood. No, it was, it was pretty fun, but now that I'm out of this, it's pretty, pretty awesome to, to come out of those situations. Um, baby Kerwin, it was a pleasure to be, be on this platform. And <laughs> um, my book, um, The Rise from Poverty to Prosperity, takes you through um, my childhood and growing up. Um, I grew up in the inner city of Toronto in Jane and Finch and, you know, single mother home with um, three brothers. Um, wasn't easy. Um, all boys. And, uh, <laughs> even with three boys, is definitely Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, handful. And my mother grew up in, in the church and um, tried to, you know, establish the morals and values going to going to church and having those family morals but um outside of church you know dealing with um the fact that social economical situations and not having a lot whether it came from food or um material things of trying to get those things and on the other elements of living in poverty from the police um, drug violence, um, discrimination. It was mm. very, very challenging. And um, not only that, but then the academic part of going to school and trying to live up to high expectations of, you know, trying to become the best you can be. And, you know, then the competition of friends and family of, you know, mm. some of your friends that, you know, did have a nucleus family, but, you know, where I grew up, it was kind of like the norm of, you know, yeah. only having a mother as a superhero playing both roles. Yeah, it must have been tough. Do you think as a teenager, you, you kind of grew closer to your mom or further away? Or what was like your emotional state? What kind of thoughts were you having? You know, besides, you know, the regular, you know, teenage thoughts, like where were you at? Oh, being a teenager, yeah, basketball was my life, and also TV was my life. You know, growing up, you know, wanting to have that, you know, male role model or that mm. nucleus family in your life, of wanting to travel with the family. You know, in what my house. Oh. But um, my mother still tried to do her best to make a way and provide for us. So. Our vacations were in Toronto. You know, go, going to Yorkdale was. Sorry about that. We seem to have gotten cut off. You were saying your mom um, tried really hard to, to do the vacations for you guys. 
but it wasn't yeah. quite the same. Yeah, having um, vacations and going abroad wasn't in my cards. And, yeah. you know, in Toronto, you know, going to um, Yorkville was a vacation for us. And yeah. I was and, trying to go somewhere prestige. And for those listeners who don't know, Yorkdale is a mall here in Toronto. That's it, It's yeah. quite high, high end, you know. That, that was my vacation yeah. going to Yorkdale. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> oh, wow. But things didn't, like, stay where they were for you. Things kind of got worse. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Like, what was the turning point where it went from just, you know, rough childhood to where the problems, like, really began? Yeah. Being a teenager has its ups and downs and mm-hmm. being a boy with friends. And we're all, we all had curiosity. Um, but sometimes curiosity can kill the cat. And yeah. with me... Curiosity killed the cat multiple times from, you know, me getting arrested to me going to jail to eventually getting a criminal record and um, having those experiences, you know, really left my mom in a distraught state. Now, not only does she have three boys, but now she had one of her boys, you know, being affected by the law and, you know, when you get affected by she didn't really know the systemic um, system in Canada because she just migrated from Jamaica. So now she's dealing with a whole other variable of not mm-hmm. only to raise three boys on her own, but now having her boys in the in the system. So yeah. very, very challenging. And, and having, I can imagine having her, her son, because I'm sure you're, you're an adult now, but to your mom, you'll always be her little boy, if you know what I mean. So yeah. having her little boy in a system where let's be honest, when someone is dealing with the law as a parent, you can't really protect them like you could if it was just the principal. But but things didn't stay that way for you. Things got better. And could you just tell some of our listeners, because we talk a lot about reaching your goals, and on the way to reaching your goals, we all hit like a wall where we think, okay, well, there's a wall in front of us. We can't move forward. This to you, it was a pretty big wall. How did you... How did you move past that too? Because from going to, you know, getting in trouble with the law, getting a record, how did you turn that around for yourself? Like, what was the motivator behind it all? Um, not only getting a record and going to jail, but financially losing everything. Mm-hmm. Um, these are experiences in my life that are like scars, like, you know, scar tissue, like, first cut yeah these these three were very painful for me wow to give credit to to not only my mom but my grandmother very praying 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 parents i I love that yeah turning to jesus right i'm sorry about that so you were talking about your incredible mom and your incredible grandmother who were who would pray for you right to to my, my my mother and my grandmother yeah. You know, two prayerful warriors who, who, who prayed for me and um, was I was able to, you know, use my education in basketball, um, mm-hmm. even though I had a lot of mistakes, made a lot of mistakes in my life. I'm happy that those mistakes never really affected me to a point where I was still able to go to school. Um, I wasn't able to go to the States. I wasn't able to leave the country because of my, my criminal record. 
that was very you know devastating for me. But I was still yeah. able to still play basketball, the game that I love, to help me to get me out of my circumstance. Just a, a wee bit to start seeing that there's more to life than you know causing trouble. Yeah. So basketball. This is when you were in high school that you discovered, or was it much younger? Um, I I just in my area where I grew up, mm-hmm. um, in Toronto, you know, in the inner city, basketball was was the norm. Was everything? Yeah, every everybody in my community played basketball. So um, oh. it was just my influence and friends and family that you know I picked up a basketball. I love football, yeah. but none of my a lot of my friends didn't play football. No, I but... Football, but even though I wasn't really good at it, I got better at it because all my friends were going to the community center after school. All my Super. friends were playing basketball. Um, people that were older than me were so good. And I'm watching it on TV. I wanted to be like Michael Jordan, um, even though I couldn't jump as high as him <laughs> or the tallest him. I wanted, everybody wanted to be like Mike. Oh, so, yeah. Everyone loves um, Mike Jordan. I just picked up a basketball and... You know, my mom wasn't able to provide me, you know, the the Michael Jordans, but I was still able to pair, get a pair of shoes to play basketball that were good enough for me. So um, I continued with it because all my friends continued with it. And I just um, realized that, you know, someone believed in my talent and I was able to continue to play until I was able to make basketball teams, not only in middle school, but also in high school. That is incredible how one sport can bring an entire community together, it sounds like. Yeah. But now, you didn't quite make it to Michael Jordan level, but tell us how basketball carried on for you even after high school, because that's incredible. Yeah. um, Not everybody gets to play basketball after high school. Yeah. I was very fortunate enough to get recognized to still go to um, Nova Scotia and play basketball for four years and use basketball as a tool and a vehicle to um, stay in school and get my education. That's incredible. My my grandmother, my mom wanted for me was to go to school and do something with my do something with my life, but I didn't know what I wanted to be besides of being a basketball player. I just wanted to make it to the (laughs) NBA. That was my dream and um, even though I wasn't able to make it to the NBA, um, I was still able to go to university and being the first in my family to go to university was hi sorry the audio does not love us today yeah. you were saying you were the first one in your family to oh the first one in my family to go to university that is incredible so from like a single mother to having a criminal record to all everything you faced to then rising up above that and got being the first one to to be in university. Yeah, take on the challenge to, you know, take on the four years. I know a lot of people go to college. I know some people go to university. I know a lot of people want to get a job before, after university, I mean, after high school. But I want to take on the challenge of commit myself to getting a four-year bachelor's degree. And um, I want to see that smile on my face because there's so many (laughs) scars and experiences that, you know, me and my mom have tears, so I want to bring a little bit of sunshine to my mom. And that is incredible. And you know what? That alone would have been a good book, but your life doesn't end there. I know um, every time that you and I have spoken and every time you've mentioned your wife, you don't just say, oh, my wife. You, you always say, 
oh, the love of my life, my wife. <laughs> so, and I'm a girl, Kerwin. We love love stories. So, could you just tell us like how you met your wife and and just a little bit about the love that the two of you share and the deep connection that yeah, so that you guys. I was able to, you know, go to church and commit myself to going to church and. I met I met my wife in church and she was um, just a friend at the time, a real supporter. Um, and the the funny story is is that um, my wife, of all the people that supported me, when I graduated university and I became valedictorian. Oh my goodness! She came, she came all the way to Nova Scotia to hear my speech, and that's one. Of the that's one of the things that, you know, made me admire this beautiful flower. Um, that's love. That's, that's love. That's really supportive. <laughs> um, it doesn't matter, you know, what happens. I'll always remember the day that she came all the way to Nova Scotia just to hear me speak on my yeah. convocation. Um, after that university, we started talking and um, I decided to, you know, court her and I never looked back. Oh, how long? now um we're going in 2019 um we've been we got married in june of 29 2012 so we've been married mm -hmm. for seven years but been together for 12. oh incredible and you've known each other since you were high school yeah. you said? since university oh oh yes university that is incredible and do i hear a, a cute little baby in the background yes cute little baby on, on family day you guys that is incredible you guys are incredible so this beautiful love story and i've never once heard you speak about your wife without referring to her as the love of your life and you've been together for so long it's as a girl i've got to tell you that is that's it's amazing it's you can see the love that you've got for her and i wish that my listeners were viewers because the the, the gleam and the sparkle that comes to your eye when you're speaking about her. Oh, I've never seen anything like that. Thank you. So then, so then after everything happened, you decided to write a book. How did that come about? Like, what made you put your entire life into a book? Um, and it's very um, tough because even though getting married and, you know, having a record, People have skeletons, mm -hmm. people have secrets, but the challenge mm -hmm. is we want, we want to be transparent. And um, my mentors always talk about being a light. You always want to be a light. And your light always shines if you, if you light another candle. So I like me that. Having, me having a record and me even going to universities, there's a lot of pain that came in my story, but there's a lot of sunshine at the end of the rainbow. So mm -hmm. for me to, you know, grow up where I did, but have a record. Yeah, that's sad. But look what came out of it. You, you went to school, you got a degree, you, you know, went on and got pursued the job of your dreams of not only working for the Toronto Raptors, but giving back to your community center and working at the Driftwood Community Center. Mm -hmm. And then not only that, you went back to school and became a teacher. So it was like, yeah. my mentors challenged me because I didn't realize that so many young black boys, you know, were incarcerated. I didn't know so many black boys grew up with a single mother. I didn't know because 
I felt like I was the only one. Mm-hmm. And so many individuals that have records that have been stopped or hindered mm-hmm. by their progress because of the barriers. So I was challenged to put my story to paper and, you know, if I could help somebody, you know, not only a black boy, but a boy, a mother, a sister, an uncle, a father, you know, that knows any of these circumstances or can relate to the struggle, as we call it, to, you know, light that or rekindle that fire of dreaming or pursuing their dreams, whether you want to be a dancer, an engineer, make it to the NBA, go back to school, get your degree, go for the master's, go for the doctrine, buying a home, you know, getting married, you know, any dream that could light that fire or rekindle that fire, open up a business, you know, sharing that, sharing my story was one thing that I want to be transparent and open about to let everybody know that it's okay to have fear, but it's okay to also have courage and achieve your dreams. And I love that. And one thing that I absolutely love about your story is that you didn't let any of the obstacles stand in your way. When you were a child and, and you you had a single mother and it was rough and you had all the oppression, you turned to basketball. And then afterwards, even with the record, you, the criminal record, you did not let that stop you. You pursued your dreams and you turned your life around. And that's a story that really a lot of people, I think almost everyone in the world would benefit from your story in one way, shape or another, whether we have criminal records or not. And your book is something that I'm extremely Listeners, I'm even going to put a link in the description so that you can go and purchase this book and read for yourself because there's a lot of details that we're not telling you because we don't want spoilers. But listeners, trust me, you are going to love this. But now, after writing this... Sorry, carry on. Yes, of course. I would need to share. I wouldn't be fulfilled (laughs) if I never um, said this. I want to also add that I really put my faith in God um, to know that Amen. there is a light at the end of the tunnel, um, you know, and having hope that, you know, all things are possible. And I really had a great support system. I know a lot of people don't have those support systems, and I felt that I didn't have a lot of good support systems, but I kept pursuing my dream. And, you know, strangers became family. Teachers became yeah. family. Professors became family. Coaches became family. People in my church became hot blood. But, you know, family is not only your blood family. Family is anybody that supports you, believes in you, and, yeah. you know, nurtures your, your potential to grow into that awesome flower. That is incredible. But now, after having living this extremely difficult life, after hitting wall after wall, uh, with you getting arrested falsely, to getting a record, to getting it cleared, to setting goals, and not only achieving them, but surpassing what most people can do, you write this book. But Corona doesn't end there, does it? Tell us what you've got in the works now. So um, I can officially say that after five years of publishing this book, April 15th will be five years of publishing this book, and we have sold over 3,000 copies. We're about 3,500, and in Canada, 5,000 is a bestseller. on route to actually going to New York in May to the um, Author Solutions Pitch Fest, Book Pitch Fest, 
where I'll be speaking to Hollywood executives to be pitching my book and try to turn it into a movie. So I'll be trying to turn my book, The Rise from Poverty to Prosperity, into a movie, Hollywood film. That is incredible. And that film, I am dying to watch. Tell me, what like walls or barriers have you hit in, or are you finding that you're hitting now on the way to this uh, pitch fest? Um, more challenges. Um, financially, mm-hmm. capital is always an issue. Raising money mm-hmm. is always an issue. Um, money is always an issue. Will always be an issue. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, as an independent um, author and trying to raise money and capital, day to day struggles, day to day life. Everybody has yeah. goals, everybody has dreams and hopes, but you know, coming together, you know, my pastor always says, many hands make like work. So um, just trying to raise enough money to go to New York and meet all these amazing executives to hear my story is something that, you know, it's not easy, but, you know, hopefully with the support it can get done. So we're trying to raise $3,000 for me to meet 10 executives so I could pitch my movie to them, two-minute pitch, so I could see the potential and hopes that we can turn this book into a Hollywood feature film one day. That is incredible. You know what? I thoroughly believe that this movie has to be made. It absolutely has to be made. I want to go see this movie. Do you have a GoFundMe that our listeners can pitch in and help? Yeah, um, Go to my GoFundMe, Kerwin Liverpool, book pitch rest, 20, May 2019. Um, mm-hmm. And um, it's possible. if it's possible, I would, I would love to share my pitch. Yes, of course. Uh, listeners, I'm going to put the, the link to the GoFundMe. Let's make this movie happen, please, listeners. Okay, Kerwin. Okay, we will your pitch. All right, awesome. All right, here we go. This story is about a young black boy who lived in the inner cities of Toronto with his mother as a single parent with three siblings who lived in poverty and faced social injustice from getting stopped by the police repeatedly to getting shot at to being falsely arrested. This story of this young black boy is me. I had a dream to one day play in the NBA. And this emotionally charged, suspenseful drama would take you through various accounts of my life from getting hit by a car to having a criminal record to going to jail and also losing everything financially. The pain and anguish on my mother's face was just one of the key elements of me turning it around and using that fuel and using basketball to win a high school championship and then using that same fuel to go to school abroad to be the first of my family to not only graduate university, Valley Victorian, and then using that same fuel to having the wedding of my dreams to the woman that supported me through thick and thin. And even though I didn't make the NBA, I was still able to land a job with the Toronto Raptors 
as a junior basketball coach to aspire kids across the country using the acronym DREAM, dedication, responsibility, education, attitude, and motivation, and then go back to school to become a teacher, to give back to the next generation, to those inner city kids in the same community that I grew up in. So my book, The Rise to Pro From Poverty to Prosperity, is about a young black boy who goes through various accounts to fulfill his dream. Wow, chills. I have absolute chills. This book has to be made into a movie. And you know what, listeners? I've got the link to the book down below. You can go buy it. You can read it before the movie comes out. And it will come out. You've heard the pitch. How can it not? And with your help, let's get... Let's go on GoFundMe, send it out to your friends and family. Let's get this movie made for me, please. <laughs> not for not for Kerwin, not for his wife, not for anyone else, but for me. I am dying to watch this movie. Kerwin, awesome. I cannot wait for this movie to be made. And then we're going to have you back. And we're going to talk about how you got from book to movie. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much for your inspiration and for for uh, being a part of the podcast today and, you know, just inspiring all our listeners and, and everyone who's going to be hearing your story. And I know for a fact you're going to be making an incredible difference in many young, young boys' lives. So yeah. thank you for that. Thank you for having me. And, you know, it's <laughs> all about being inspiration and putting God first and, you know, changing and affecting lives and just trying to be an example. So Definitely. Um, my experience, I'm just trying to be an example and use this platform to give back. And if we could turn this book into a movie to share across the globe to let everybody know that through God and faith and perseverance, you could achieve your dream. If Amen. Put on a Hollywood film, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Okay. <laughs> so there you have it, baby girl. Get this movie, the book, and. Surround yourself with inspirational people. Bye, baby girl. Love, mom.